It's the week the Prime Minister revealed her plans for our exit of the European Union. I want this United Kingdom to emerge from this period of change stronger, fairer, more united and more outward-looking than ever before. But are we any clearer just what Brexit means for agriculture? It's quite clear that DEFRA still haven't got the staffing to, to take a lot of this on, and that really does concern us. We've had foot and mouth in the past, we've had BSE, we've had bad exchange rates. The UK is always going to be there, this is just another little hurdle. Plus, later, we're among the machinery at this week's Lammer. There's a, a lot of progression within the company itself. Uh, that's obviously been topped out by the 310 horsepower that we see in front of us here. But there is uh, money to be spent in farming, and hopefully we can get some of that business uh, over the next weeks and months off the back of Lama. Sunday, January 22nd, 2017. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. It seems wherever those in agriculture gather at the moment, talk of Brexit tends to dominate. The agenda for the Lincolnshire Farming Conference was announced this week, taking place at the Lincolnshire Showground at the end of February. NFU Vice President Guy Smith will be giving the keynote speech discussing farming post-Brexit. Well, given Lammer opened its gates at the East of England showground just hours after Theresa May unveiled her 12-point plan for leaving the EU this week, it's understandable that, again, it was the main talking point there for many. We'll look at the machinery later in the programme, but first on Brexit and what the Prime Minister had to say this week. Here's Ben Underwood from the CLA. Well, I have to say uh, my immediate thoughts were that... uh not not an enormous amount more was uh, clarified from yesterday. In fact, uh, the concern would be actually just how much emphasis was put on movement of people and and a lack of perhaps uh, mention and detail on how crucial it is to get the right trade agreement, especially for our industry. And that really needs to be a bespoke uh, free trade agreement. We've been saying that for some time now, uh, because if we don't get that and we don't have some safeguards in place, um, there really is a, a possibility of our agricultural and food industry being swamped overnight by uh, uh, cheap competitors abroad. Well, that is a real concern, isn't it? I mean, certainly here at Lammer, it's one of the main talking points. Brexit is top of the priorities for everybody, really, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and one of the crucial things we're doing in this uh, period is, is forming alliances with the wider food sector. So agriculture itself is only uh, less than 1% GDP of this country and therefore doesn't get the mentions, as you said earlier. Uh, However, when we then build in the food supply chain and food manufacturing, this is the biggest industry in the country. And so they're the points we're trying to push home, that it's not all about banking sector and service sector in the city. Uh, We have an industry here that is vital to our economy. And not only that, of course, but um, our farmers are delivering lots of other things to society in terms of a quality environment, uh, flood control, flood risk management, uh, carbon sequestration and so on. So we're making those points strongly at the moment. Are government listening, though? You're making these points, have been for, what, six months or so now. Do you think it's going in? Well, um, I... I hope so, and we we keep reiterating that. I think there's an important point to note there, though, is that it's quite clear that DEFRA still haven't got the staffing to to take a lot of this on, and that really does concern us. I mean, equally, the other side to that is this is a a, a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to really steer the policy because, frankly, they haven't got the resource to do so. But um, uh, So we're making that point very strongly. We're meeting with ministers and decision-makers regularly. And, of course, the conversation has to be wider than just to the DEFRA department, but we're 
we're lobbying and working with the trade department the department for brexit and also just pushing our message to to wider society the big headline is always will there be more money for the nhs we need to be setting out our case as to why you know the rural economy needs supporting going forward i think it's probably at lama last year we were talking about defra and those cuts that seem to be coming those cuts have now happened at really the worst possible time haven't they yeah, absolutely. I think you're, you're absolutely right. And of course, DEFRA, out of all the government departments, I think I'm right in saying uh, uh, most of the legislation and regulation that, that DEFRA are being dealt with uh, uh, was born out of Europe. And therefore, they haven't really got the staffing and policy team there to set the agenda uh, when we have to make our own decisions uh, once we Brexited. So yeah, there is a real concern around that. Ben Underwood there of the CLA. Well, with Article 50 due to be enacted within weeks, a number of companies are trying to take advantage of what Brexit might mean for agriculture in the UK. Enterprise Ireland was among the exhibitors at Lama. Sean O'Kira is from Enterprise Island. We represent uh, over uh, about 150 farming companies and agricultural machinery companies. Now, obviously, Theresa May made her 12-point plan yesterday with, with Brexit. How does that affect your kind of business, your industry? Well, obviously... You know, Brexit was something that we were hoping wouldn't happen, but at the same time we had planned for this contingency um, and we've been working very closely and monitoring closely the situation uh, and Theresa May's own speech, as well as lobbying to the EU uh, to make sure that Britain gets uh, as good as possible a trade deal because in the end of the day that's, uh, you know, in our best interest as well. Um, We've supported our clients uh, throughout the process of Brexit so far. Um, So we give information days as well as giving assistance in funding, how to manage uh, foreign exchange risk, uh, obviously, the, the, the Brexit has affected the sterling and euro rates quite a lot, so things are a bit more expensive for buyers over here. You know, there's over 400,000 jobs supported by uh, British Irish trade, and just hoping that that doesn't get affected too much. Yeah, I mean, there's a real risk there, isn't there? About, you know, like you say, trade with Britain and Ireland that could, going forward, there could be a problem in a couple of years' time if we're not careful. They've got to get it right, haven't they, really? They do indeed, but look, we're very clear as an organisation uh, and the government and even our clients uh, themselves that the UK will always be our, our primary export market. There's so many ties of family, friendship, history, as well as business. And of course, a shared language and a shared business culture is, is nothing small to consider when you're, when you're exporting. So despite whatever comes, whatever trade tariffs or however the, the uh, exit from the single European market works, um, we're fully committed to working within Britain and obviously as well tens of thousands of people cross the border between the Republic and Northern Ireland every day for work. So um, we're committed to working very closely with, with Britain and with Europe uh, to ensure that, that this isn't affected too much. The, the tides were there before we went in the EU, weren't they? So I guess they're going to be as strong when we come out. Exactly. And, um, you know, Theresa May herself said that, uh, you know, they're hoping to, to make an exceptional deal between uh, the UK and Ireland. Um, there's a case to be made that exception, exceptional cases can be made between non-EU and EU member countries. And we strongly feel that this is, is such a case. You know, we've had foot and mouth in the past. We've had BSE. We've had bad exchange rates. You know, the UK is always going to be there. This is just another little hurdle and we just have to all book together and, and make sure uh, make sure it doesn't affect us too much. Sean O'Kira from Enterprise Island. Next Sunday, we'll hear from one company from Ireland, very much hoping to expand in the UK. Later in this programme, meanwhile, we'll be back at Lama with some of the machinery that was on show this week. First to agronomy and the third Sean of the morning. Sean Sparling from Sparling Agronomy Services joins us. Morning, Sean. Yeah, morning, Sean. The weather's been miserable again this week, hasn't it? I know, another dreary old lot. There's not a lot we can do, though. It's January. January is a bit of a nothing month in most respects, weather-wise and everything else-wise. 
unfortunately, the, the weather seems to have forgotten to tell the slugs and the pigeons and the rabbits and the deer and the hare and everything else that it is a nothing month. And they are feasting merrily on the uh, buffet, which is Lincolnshire Agriculture. So what I said last week still holds. Make sure you are ahead of these slugs because some of the ones which are causing the problems in wheat and rape and everything else, barley, are one to two millimetres long. You struggle to find them, but they are there and it's very clear they're there because they're starting to affect some of the new growth on wheat in particular. Now, over the last three weeks or so, we've seen a lot of these wheat crops green up and they, they look like they're putting on new growth. But it, it's a bit of an optical illusion because most of that will just be the chlorophyll fluorescing through the sunshine. There's not a lot of new growth because soil temperatures are way below four and you don't get a lot of growth below four. So do be on top of the slugs because they can cause an awful lot of damage. They may be small, but there's a lot of them. So don't just put pellets on for the sake of doing it. And look at your options. If you put a one and a half percent pellet it on you want to be looking at a wet process pellet because they'll last longer in these conditions than a dry process pellet excuse me swallowing i've just swallowed a, a fly or something um and uh you've got this one and a half metaldehyde percentage within the pellet and they do a very good job so you get far more bait points and that's what it's all about in these conditions more bait points the more bait points you've got the better so go for something look at the costs involved you're looking at about three quid four quid an acre whichever way you choose to go um oilseed rape there's a lot of foamer out there as i said last week there is very little in the way of new disease you don't need to be thinking about doing that so what should you be thinking about at the moment obviously planning for the spring planning for nitrogen campaign p and k doing your NMAX, that's what I've just spent the last week doing, all of the NMAX four-point nitrogen plan. Remember, you have to have a plan in place before you apply anything. You get caught on that with an RPA inspection, you'll lose some of your area payment. And also, go to meetings. Look at the crop options which are available to you out there. We can't just keep growing wheat um, because the markets are falling and falling and falling. And that one word, Trump, comes into play with this because obviously with Brexit there are things happening. But Mr Trump, if you look at the way the the cereal grain market has gone, there's about three or 400 million tonnes more cereal grain in the world pool uh, than there was in 2007 so the last seven years we've seen that sort of increase a lot of that goes into ad us in particular but if you think about it if mr trump decides to prioritize the oil rather than ad and that sort of thing there's going to be an awful lot of cereal grain come back on the market so once again wheat will take that hammering so look at what's out there look at things like soya and lupins and linseed and ahi flour and all of the options you've got available to you because the key thing is that you make money if you make money you'll be in business when the markets come back if you don't make money and a lot of people if they're honest you're looking at the cost of production exceeding what you're getting for things like feed wheat because at the moment if you look at the prices for the last thousand years and they have those prices that you can adjust for today's market value you never sell wheat cheaper than you're selling it today that is not sustainable so look at some of the options talk to your agronomist and start to plan it forward so uh, on that bombshell we'll see what next week brings hopefully we'll get a bit nicer weather and things will start to grow Thank you. Sean Sparling will be back at Lama soon. McCormick will tell us about their new tractor, the largest it's ever produced. First, though, let's get an update from Openfield. It's Henry Young this week. Once again, hello, Henry. Good morning, how are you? I'm good, thank you. You've uh, thawed out after Lama. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and fri- Friday as well. It was it was very cold Friday morning. Very very cold and misty, wasn't it? Definitely. It was. What's been happening then this week? We've got a new president. So uh, what's what's been happening? Yeah. This week. Well, obviously it's been an interesting week, uh, mainly with politics. This week, main talking point was Brexit with the Prime Minister's speech on Tuesday. Uh, obviously, the expected result was that sterling was actually going to weaken, but actually the the opposite did happen. Uh, sterling strengthened, which affected the markets. And this is probably because that that was already factored into the markets because we did see at the early part of last week the 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 sterling did uh, against the euro did reach some very low levels, but after all the information has been processed, it seems to have leveled back out and seems to have found a slightly better level. Something that I have spoken about for the last few weeks uh, that may well now come into effect uh, because I have seen some pictures recently is the snow that has melted in Ukraine. They are still predicting some very cold weather there. Now the question is: Is this going to affect? Is this going to bring about winter kill? And what impact is that going to have going forward? Because we know how how big their wheat crops are. Something that has made me smile though this week about all this cold weather is actually Scotland was hotter than Malaga this week. So is that going to bring a surge in uh, in Scottish holidays? We'll wait and see. Something from the wise is also about the cold weather in Russia. The strength in the ruble, which is meaning that the farmers are actually quite happy not to sell at the moment. They want to see how their crops are coming out of the winter. Um, and at the moment, their spec wheat um, is some of the cheapest, uh, along with Argentina in the markets. Could this be a problem? Has Russia let Argentina in? And will they actually get back into the market as and when they're ready to sell their spec wheat? The rain continues to be a problem in Argentina, uh, which again is, is causing flooding in certain places. And also the currency is going to be driven very much. Obviously with Brexit, we've got France, Germany and Holland all having big impacts on the euro. And also we see Trump. And we'll see what impact that has going forward. So having a look at those prices, January 141 to 144, March 17, 145 to 148, May 147 to 150, and November 17, 131 to 134. Not bad levels for that NOV 17 to be looking at. Uh, And just having a bit of an idea about the Group 1, Group 1 premium has been very, very tight this year. And at the moment, they're about three to four pounds over feet. So it's not, not very much there at all. Feed barley again; those sub-zero temperatures across Europe are putting pressure on the uh, pressure on the markets. We are seeing some limited demand at the moment. EU FOB values are dipping uh, with the Matif uh, and the euro, but they remain well above the Black Sea offers with with their with their kind of needing to ship. In the southern hemisphere, it remains cheap, uh, and we have seen some tenders last week. So, having a look at those prices: January 118 to 121. March 123, May 125 to 126, and November 17, 110 to 114. The all-seed rate has been a fairly active week this week, again on currency. There's been some good demand, but again, lack of sellers. Uh, the market turned lower with the Brexit talks, but then strengthened again with the pound doing what it has done. So it balances itself back out. With the falls that we have seen, and obviously with the tight uh, supply and demand uh, we've got, and there's still five and a half months left of this of this campaign before we even start seeing any new crop. There could be a tightness towards the end of the season. So looking at those prices, January 359, March is the same price, 359, May is 362, and November 17, 331. A quick update on the bean market. The bean market has been firmer on the back of buyers covering short positions, but this is in feed beans. Demand for human consumption quality remains non-existent. Again, the Egyptians aren't looking to buy from the EU because they already have that supply from the Baltics. Feed beans are currently worth between 150 or 155 for February. 
Henry Young once again from Open Field. It's been a couple of weeks since we last heard from Nick Morris of British Sugar, so uh, time for another update on the beat campaign. Morning, Nick. Morning, Sean. I uh, understand on Tuesday had a bit of a problem at the factory, now resolved, thankfully. Yeah, no, that's right. It's uh, it's one of those things, really. I mean, we've been fortunate to have enjoyed uh, pretty reliable factory throughput to date. However, as you point out, on Tuesday we did actually experience a problem with our gas turbine, uh, and that caused a uh, the power plant to trip on Tuesday night, which resulted actually in a full factory blackout. Um, then uh, we, we had a few issues when restarting the turbine, and that consequently resulted in uh, 50% throughput on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm sure you can imagine, though, it's, it's a bit more involved than just resetting a trip switch on a consumer unit at, at home, and it requires a little, little bit of time just to get the sugar process settled again. But we did get there, and on Thursday we processed 9,300 tonnes of beet, so hopefully all settled again now and uh, hopefully hasn't caused too much disruption to the farmers and hoardies that have been delivering sugar beet to us. Mm, definitely, well, that's, that's, that's good news. What, what about the rest of the campaign? Yeah, so we're now 110 days into campaign, uh, and that's around three-quarters of the way through couple of days of reduced slice this week it does make a bit of difference to our uh, average performance to date which now sits at 9,250 tonnes a day which is actually down by 150 tonnes since my last report as I said as a result of this week's challenges. So from the 75% of contract delivered so far the quality of the crop remains very good. We've received over 37,000 loads to date with an average dirt tear of 6% and that is actually up by is it, 0.2 of a percent uh, from two weeks ago, really just as a result of the uh, slightly wetter weather we've uh, experienced over that period. Sugar content uh, is now averaging 17.23%, which seems to very much have stabilised uh, for the time being after the, the decline we saw over the Christmas period. So again, hopefully that will stay where it is uh, until the end of campaign now. So far, we have 263 contracts that have now finished delivering their crop for the season. And overall yield is 69 tonnes a hectare, which I hope to see increase as the remaining contracts finish over the next five weeks. On to next year's crop. We're still accepting requests from growers for additional crop area. Growers can discuss with their area manager if they have additional land they'd like to sow for this coming season. So if that's of interest, please get in touch. Seed will be delivered onto farm in the coming weeks, and before we know it, March will be here, and we'll be uh, planting the 2017-18 crop, so another year will, uh, will, will have passed us by. Nick Morris of British Sugar back in a fortnight. Back to Lammer then, and there was uh, plenty of new machinery on show, as you might expect, from uh, Rethink Turf Care showing off its new range of South Korean-built TYM tractors, to Case IH relaunching its Farmall U-Pro under the new name of Luxum. JCB also promoted its overhaul of the 8000 series with the most powerful tractor it's ever made. A claim also made by McCormick, launching at Lama what it described as the most powerful tractor it's ever built. Tim Lawrence from McCormick UK can tell us more about the new X8 VT Drive. Right, the X8, we've got three models. It's 260, 280 or 310 true horsepower. Uh, ZF drive, so variable drive transmission with the FPT 6-litre uh, Cummings of Echo engine. Standard four-range ZF uh, transmission in the Vario configuration. It weighs just under 10 tonnes and it will lift 12 tonnes on the back end. 5 tonne front linkage, uh, currently 50k and this development unit being in yellow um, 
is uh, due to be launched in production at the back end of the year, sort of September, October time into the UK. Getting a lot of interest? Very much so, yes. Obviously, having a yellow tractor on the stand yes. uh, proves very worthwhile. And uh, lots of people in and out, lots of dealer inquiries, lots of true customer inquiries as well. So, uh, yeah, well worth bringing to the show and uh, gauging the reaction, and it's all good so far. Well, that's good. It's good to get positive feedback, I guess, out of events like Lama. Very much so, yes. And uh, not just for the new products, mm. but for the, for the older products that well uh, we've had a lot of new facelifted uh, products on the stand both in transmissions and uh, in the cabs and other bits and pieces that we've updated so it's all good and it's all very positive so start a new year and very good to move forward with yeah, it yeah and absolutely you know a year of uncertainty if you like of just put that behind us but actually you're getting positive vibes here around. very much so yes there's uh, obviously with the exchange rates up and down on a daily basis um, but there is uh, money to be spent in farming and hopefully we can get some of that business uh, over the next weeks and months off the back of Lama. So it's a good event for us and long may it continue. And we can hear in the background people looking at the, the X6 and you've got the X7 here as well. And the X8, I mean, it, it just shows that, you know, McCormack are not standing still. You are continuing to innovate. Very much so. There's a, a lot of progression within the company itself. Uh, that's obviously been topped out by the 310 horsepower that we see in front of us here. But there's very other, other products, products that are simpler than we've had before. Uh, mechanical spools, Vario transmissions in 130, 140 horsepower tractors. But behind us we have a two-wheel drive 75 horsepower tractor. So for the scraper industry, the dairy industry, still very much loved and liked um, by a wide range of customers. Tim Lawrence from McCormick UK chatting there in front of the giant X8, as he mentioned, painted yellow and certainly noticeable at Lama. Staying with new products and one that's currently being tested and was on show at Lama, you might in fact have seen it at last year's cereals as well, it's called Earthwake and fits into what we were discussing on last week's programme about soil erosion. It's already been recognised at national level as a finalist in the Farming Awards last year in the Machinery Innovator of the Year Award category. Lando is the company behind Earthwake. Rob Holland is the man behind it. It was a concept that I have had um, to try to address uh, tramline erosion. After seeing other few bits of kits out there, I felt there wasn't anything really to look at tramline erosion in cereal crop, and I felt that a water diversion route was a better route to go than uh, tickling the surface. So I came up with the uh, the concept of the earthquake, um, which is basically a large diameter screw, uh, land-driven, pulled along the surface of the soil after a bit of compaction has been formed uh, after spraying in the autumn, um, that creates water diversion channels every two metres. So each channel is only handling a small amount of water, um, but it breaks that uh, chain of rainfall, quantity accumulation and the energy with it that causes uh, erosion, which uh, is obviously then moving farmer soil, which they need to get, keep hold of, um, being their main asset. Yep. And, uh, and also the water back into the crop, um, along with it, uh, nutrients, um, organic matter uh, and pesticides. And you know, a farmer buys the field for his soil, he doesn't want to be losing that soil. And uh, I mean, I can't think that anybody would ever actually go out and buy the soil, but it's, a, it's an expensive commodity that, and it's an asset that the farm needs to keep hold of, um, especially if they start losing uh, organic matter, then that, again, that can change the whole... Uh, characteristics of that soil, uh, workability etc and uh, the nutrient holding content of that soil. And you think this is more sustainable? I think so yeah absolutely it's um, a very straightforward low power requirement piece of kit um, that can have uh, great benefits to the to the farm. You said you launched it at, uh, or had it at cereals last uh, last year 
people just wandering by just saying what on earth is this piece of kit is, is there anything else like it out there um i believe not no i mean we're going through the patent process at the moment and there's a few things that have come up but not in the same principle as a blade you know, a spiral blade cutting into the soil no i'm i'm confident there's nothing else out there and like you say most people are wandering by and stopping and looking at it and trying to figure it out for themselves so i just give them a moment to try to see if they can figure it out <laughs> and uh, but you know it certainly does catch the eye rob holland from Landho. we mentioned the weather briefly earlier on so uh, what is in store for this coming week the farming program five-day forecast Today, dry, some cloud, but mostly sunny as well. Highs of 3 Celsius later, maybe 4 in places. The wind from the south southeast between 6 and 12 miles an hour. Patchy cloud overnight tonight. Temperatures around freezing point. The wind from the south-southwest again around 5 miles an hour. And then tomorrow, much the same as today, maybe a bit more cloud actually. 4 Celsius the high, the wind from the south at about 5 miles an hour. Overnight Monday into Tuesday, that cloud cover keeping temperatures just above freezing should stay dry. The wind from the south, southeast, 10, maybe 12 miles an hour. And then Tuesday itself, possibility of a shower in places, but it should be mostly dry with cloud. 4 Celsius once again. The wind getting up from the south at 10, gusting at 20 miles an hour. Tuesday into Wednesday, again, cloudy. Possibility of uh, a frost in places, uh, certainly a freezing point. Could be the low first thing on Wednesday morning. The wind getting up from the south at 10, gusting at 25 miles an hour. And then it looks like Wednesday at the moment being another sunny day with temperatures again at 4 Celsius. Windy from the south, 15 to 25 miles an hour. Latter end of the week, possibility of a band of heavy rain sweeping through. Could be a little bit warmer, though. We're looking at daytime highs of 6, maybe even 7 Celsius. Overnight lows, again, just above freezing point. That's the forecast, then. Next week, as mentioned, more from our couple of days at Lama. Plus, we'll have the rest of the world of agriculture, as you've come to expect. That's next Sunday. Until then, as I always say, have a good week's farming.